Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Don't call it a backup plan. This is episode 108 of Church in Maine. Church in Maine, the podcast that is at the intersection of faith and modern life. This is the podcast that we talk about religion and public affairs, and I'm Dennis Sanders, your host. Well, I want to start this off by kind of talking about one of my biggest regrets, and that was not accepting a call to become a college chaplain. Um, This was at uh, about two decades ago at a Lutheran church, a Lutheran college, in the Midwest, uh, specifically in Illinois, um, this college was really interested in me. And I wasn't sure if I wanted the position or not. Um, After a while, the college went with someone else. I took another position, which actually I regretted. And maybe it's interesting to see what I would have missed out because For some people, being a college chaplain is the coolest job ever. At least that's what uh, Paul Rauschenbusch thinks. He says the following, I spent eight glorious years at Princeton University as an associate dean of religious life and the chapel. And he wrote this in a 2015 essay for the Huffington Post. And he continues, I had the privilege of serving students, staff, and faculty from every tradition and background, Our office was a magnet for people from every corner of the world with a huge range of beliefs, but all of whom were looking for a place on campus where they could hang out and be themselves. Now, chaplains work in various settings, from colleges to hospitals to businesses and a host of other places. And being a chaplain involves doing a lot of different things. It is a lot of things. But... One thing that it should never be considered, according to today's guest, is a backup plan. That's what, uh, that is something that uh, Jeremy Wilhelm does not believe chaplaincy should ever be. He says the following, I called to be a chaplain. I didn't settle for this fake vocation. I'm not a chaplain because I couldn't cut it in the parish. I truly believe the Holy Spirit guided me here. And that's a quote from a, from the, June 22 edition of Presbyterian Outlook, and he wrote an article under the headline, This is Not Your Backup Plan, an open letter from a chaplain. In the article, he tries to misspell the belief among some clergy that being a chaplain is a good place to land if congregational ministry doesn't work out. 
But Jeremy thinks otherwise. You should not be a chaplain just because you've had a difficult experience in the congregation or need a break from congregational ministry, he writes. You should be a chaplain because you're called to be one. So in this episode, we do talk about the chaplaincy. What does that mean in general? And we also talk about college, uh, being a college chaplain in particular. Now, Jeremy is an ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA. He's a college chaplain at University of the Ozarks in Arkansas, and he's been in that position since 2016. So let's hear today about the peculiar calling of a chaplain from Jeremy Wilhelm. Hello, Jeremy. It is uh, great. I'm thankful that you were able to accept the invitation to come on to the podcast. Good morning, Des. Thanks so much for having me. So I think it would be helpful for people who haven't read your article in um, Presbyterian Outlook. You begin it with a story, a story that you heard from, I believe it was a uh, retired prof, uh, um, and probably would help to kind of set up kind of things on how this really affected you and, and caused you to write this um, article. So would you mind sharing it? Sure. Um, so I, had, you know, Facebook brings the wonderful thoughts and ideas along your page, and I just happened to stumble across it. And um, the person that I quoted, he was actually talking more so about um whether, you know, when you're a pastor, should you try to change a church or not? But in the in the context of that, he told this story about somebody who was in the in the congregational ministry setting and uh, had a bad experience. And and his thoughts were and he's the way he quotes uh, the person he was ch- chatting with was perhaps I could be a chaplain or perhaps I should be a chaplain. And I kind of stopped right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the article, because that was like the first paragraph. And I thought, eh, that's not what, that's not the approach we should probably be taking when we talk about vocational ministry. Um, and so that, I actually responded a little bit to that. And uh, and and the person who wrote the, uh, uh, the Facebook post said, that's a wonderful thought about vocation, not on the, not a part of what I'm, but great thought. And, and so I thought, well, if I develop that a little bit more and really think about that and what could I say? And, and so that's where the article sort of stemmed from. And do you feel that, that that belief that, as I think you, the article is entitled about a backup plan that people see chaplaincy that way? I don't know. Um, I, it, it, when I read that article, it certainly felt like some, some people may feel that way. Um, I, I hope that's not the case. Um, and that was sort of my, my, my message was if you're interested in this to, to explore it and to dig deeper into it. Uh, I know I had a personal call. Uh, it took me a while to develop this because I've worked in congregational settings. I've worked in a camp setting and now I'm in a college. And as I kind of reflect back on my, uh, journey, um, what I was called to wasn't the the setting per se, it was the people. 
And mm-hmm. so I have always felt a call towards young people. And I've never wanted to be the person in the pulpit every Sunday preaching. I can do that. I do it fine. I, it, I just, I, I, that's not where I want to be every week. And so um, I, I, I know I've always gotten a lot of energy and love. And it's just where, where my joy has come from has been working with young people. And so that's sort of, no matter where I've been in my setting, my, my, my setting, the, the, the ministry has been with that particular age group, youth and young adults. And so that's where I, so, uh, you know, doing that reflection and really thinking about who you're called to serve, that, that may make a change or, or may help you understand a little bit better about what your calling is, as opposed to where should I serve or what context, what place should I serve in? So that, that's my thought. And how did you find yourself entering into, because you're a chaplain um, at a college, mm-hmm. what made you... I mean, you talked about the interest in, in young people. Um, what what was that like um, going into this and what challenges did you face as a chaplain? Well, I, I knew that if I was going to do this, uh, there were a few places that I wanted to be familiar with or a place I wanted to be familiar with. And, and Arkansas was home and I'd been out of the state uh, for 13 years before I got back here to Ozarks. And um, I, I knew that the, I knew I needed support uh, from, from the university. And I think that's a challenge for us is that there's a wide range of, of viewpoints in higher education about what the role of chaplaincy should be, how connected are we as a university or a college to a denomination or not, um, and, and, and do, they, do they have um, the resources there to, to let you be, be successful. I have seen a lot of uh, chaplaincies where there have been colleagues who have been there for 20 plus years. And then I've seen chaplaincies where it's sort of a revolving door. So I knew I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was one of the challenges. And then, you know, just getting into the setting is, you know, who, who, you know, I I had made a connection to this university prior to me becoming a chaplain. I had colleagues who were chaplains here before, and then I got to spend some time on campus and meet people uh, not anticipating me coming here, but I was actually discerning the call at the process and looking at another school uh, at that time. And then that didn't come through. And then this opportunity unexpectedly opened up. And then because of the connections, we started to have a conversation and decide it was the right fit. Uh, but there, there are numerous of challenges, just learning the landscape of higher ed and there's, you know, reporting structures and there's people you have to talk to and then trying to make a, uh, help the university articulate what it means to be Christian in this context uh, and and what it means in our case to be Presbyterian uh, specifically. So there, there are many challenges there. And then, of course, the other challenges are, you know, you're dealing with uh, young people who have all kinds of religious backgrounds, whereas in a denomination, you're all with the same kind of people who've been in your denomination for so many years. Uh, so that's a different, uh, how, how to make religion, how to make Christianity accessible to, to, uh, to students who have had a, the gamut of uh, Christian experience um, from really positive, been involved in church their whole life, to I've never had anything to do with church at all. Why should I talk with you, et cetera? So there, I mean, I could go on about that. And how would you describe the setting? What is the University of Ozarks like? Mm. We're a small liberal arts university in 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 rural Arkansas. 
so we uh, we have a lot of first generation college students here, and our university is pretty unique. We have a, a large number of international students um, as well, so we have a fairly diverse campus, uh, which is pretty unique for where we are in the country. Uh, we're we're around 750, 800 students, uh, depending on the year. So um, we're tight knit in that sense, and and we get we have the opportunity to build a really great community because we're small. I mean, you could step in the middle of campus and do a circle, just stand and do a circle, and you can see most of the campus, um, minus a few buildings in the way. Uh, so we're 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 small, we're tight knit, um, and we have to be creative because rural Arkansas doesn't have a lot of amenities that some of the bigger cities have and things like that. So we have to we have to really think creatively about what are we missing uh, because of where we are in our setting, but also what are our opportunities because we are in a, and try to embrace those as well. And we, I think we do a pretty good job of balancing that. Um, the university has um, had a long tradition in the Presbyterian Church. We're two years older than the state of Arkansas. So we've had a long, long history of uh, being in higher education. Uh, and we were started by Presbyterians and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the church. And, and I think that's something that we keep um, very close to our hearts at the University of Ozarks is that we are who we are because the church wanted us to be here and mm -hmm. embraced us in this calling. So kind of getting back to the, the calling of chaplaincy, mm -hmm. I think one of the things that was interesting in the article is that it feels like in some ways um, when it comes to kind of our seminary training, we're not always good at seeing chaplaincy actually as a kind of a valid calling that people are can be called into chaplaincy. Um, I guess my question one is, do you agree with that? And if so, why is that? I don't know the landscape necessarily of seminaries these days, but, but 15, 20, I was 15 years ago or so that I graduated from seminary, it, it, the one I attended was was highly concentrated with congregational ministry. I think they're changing now because the church is changing. And, and I have seen some of that. But back in my, when I was there, that's all we really talked about. And there were some who knew that they didn't want to be in the church, but it didn't even dawn on me that there were other, I knew they were there sort of, mm -hmm. but it didn't dawn on me to think that's where I could start. Uh, it just seemed that my upbringing and being in that particular uh, seminary, that's where we were going and that's how the curriculum was designed. And, and that's nothing wrong with that. It's just, and we even had to spend some time, like, for example, we had to do some time in a hospital for uh, a, a pastoral care course that we took. And they really did emphasize taking the clinical pastoral education course at some point. And a lot of our uh, denominational um, entities require that in at least in the Presbyterian Church, uh, if you want to be ordained. But we didn't we didn't really spend any time talking about the various ministry opportunities. Um, if you stumbled upon it or if you searched it out, then maybe you learn more about it. But I was very naive and young and and just kind of clueless back then. I said I knew I loved uh, the church and I wanted to be a part of. Um, serving God. And I really loved young people. And that was sort of that. And so maybe I put my own blinders on uh, unknowingly to myself, but that was sort of the the mindset then. I, I hope it's changed though these days. And and it needs to be because the church has changed and, and there are a lot more needs and a lot more ministries out there than, than, I, than I realized 15 years ago. I noticed um, for me, in my experience, what I've noticed is I have actually seen 
a lot of pastors, and I think just because of the changing nature of our society and um, religion, um, obviously church ministry is, is a lot more challenging today than it has been in the past. And I've noticed that there have been cases where um, people who have had really difficult calls um, will end up in um, chaplaincy. Um, is that a valid route or is that, or should that be something that should be taken with some sensing of where God is calling and not just, um, because I think when I read your article and reading about this person that might have had a bad experience was that that was just automatically the backup plan that, well, this doesn't work, so I'll just go into this. Um, but there are also occasions where people, I think one person I know in particular, it, it ended up kind of being a healing place for them. But I guess it's, I, my question is, how do you kind of balance that out of where maybe you are being called into this after a really rough experience, but um, besides someone who's just like, this is just their next job opportunity. Yeah, well, I think that's true. And, and, that's, that's, and, and in the article, I, I talk about my admiration for those who are in congregational ministry and how inspiring their work is and have read stories and heard colleagues and friends who have had bad experiences and have shared their stories. And, and yeah, there's a balance between, you know, doing what you feel called to do and also providing, you know, for your family and making sure you have income and that it all makes, it all comes to it. So uh, I don't say that you can't go that route uh, at all. And I think that the spirit works in ways that we don't always understand and, I, and embrace that. I feel like maybe after my first call, uh, and it's part of me felt like I was maybe not being called to somewhere else specifically, but I was being called away from where mm -hmm. I was. And, and that next call wasn't a very long call, but it was the right move to kind of move to something else and to see what else was out there for me. And I think that that's important. So, so we let, we, we, we just have to go with where the, where the spirit calls and maybe, maybe that's into chaplaincy. Uh, and, and, and if it is as a, as a, as a colleague and a person, so say you stumble upon chaplaincy or say you've fallen into that because that's just where it's, it's gone or what opportunity came your way. I want to help, you know, we want to, we want to support and try to build you up and make sure that if you're going to be there, then you're going to be the best you, you can be. Mm -hmm. For those who you are serving, uh, and if it isn't for you, and that's okay too, because we once we get into to a ministry, uh, we don't really know what it's like until we actually get into it and start doing the work. And and, and that's certainly the case where um, I was in a call uh, in, a, in a camp ministry, and and it, I learned that oh, fundraising is going to be a whole lot more about this call than I'd realized, and that wasn't my skill set. And I said, yeah, this isn't really this isn't really what I thought it was going to be when I when I you know said yes, I'm coming. So that, that I understand that. And I think that that's the idea. And most importantly, if you go into a context that you're maybe not sure about, find your people uh, in that context that might be, you know, find your support group. Uh, and I think that, that we, I want us to do that. I think others want to do that and make sure that that happens. Do you think that the church, I guess the big church in, in general does a good job at preparing people um, for chaplaincy? 
I don't know if the church does that per se, but um, I think people do that. Mm -hmm. I think faithful people do that. Um, you know, if a congregation can be honest with you and help you grow, then absolutely. If 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 you can get exposed, uh, I think that's wonderful. I, I've learned a lot of lessons and I've taken a lot of hits over the years, and and I learned I made a lot of mistakes in 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 uh, uh, congregational ministry, mm -hmm. and so um, so yeah, I, I think that I've I've taken some of those lessons that from my early experience and, and brought them here so that I don't repeat them. Uh, but the specific role in general, it, it just depends on the context and how much experience you've had. I mean, in my sense, I grew up Presbyterian. I served in a Presbyterian congregation. My whole world was Presbyterian. And then I got here to Ozarks and we're very, we have very few Presbyterians on campus, even though that's part of our heritage and our history. And so trying to articulate my, my perspective, my theological understanding and those kind of things, it, you know, it, it's a, it was a learning curve. Mm -hmm. um, especially with young people. But what I thrived in and what led me to be with young people was that I really enjoyed the questions and I really enjoyed the, 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 the wrestling with, with faith. And that's one of the, the, the joys I have in this particular age group is that they're not so jaded yet and they're willing to have a conversation and they're willing to, to think about things and hear different perspectives. That part was good. But then when they come back with certain things and I'm going, oh gosh, I have no experience with this. Like this is... How do I, you know, there, there was some theological understandings like uh, speaking in tongues and things like that, that I, 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 I can't relate that one. You know, and, and I tell them that I'm honest with them about that, that that's not part of um, a part of my experience. Um, even even I mean, I've, I've, I've had people think that they might be possessed and that's OK. You know, I don't understand that theology and that's not part of my experience religious, but. So, so there's, there's definitely some disconnects here mm -hmm. and, uh, and so trying to navigate those is, is a challenge and, and experience, I think in a lot of ways only prepares you for that. How important do you think chaplaincy is to the wider church? What, what do you think is its value? I mean, I think that there is some value to it, but I'm kind of curious where, what you are thinking. Yeah. Um, I think it's extremely of value. Uh, and that's why I'm here. And I say that because particularly in my experience, the, the, this age group is, is often neglected. Once you graduate, then off you go and we don't see you again mm -hmm. as a congregation, for example. And so there have to be people who can pick up where the church leaves off. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of that. And I also think that in particularly in my role, that one of my, big focuses is to try to make religion accessible to those whom religion hasn't been accessible to them, or it's been uh, uh, an area of, of conflict or a, a bad, ex, you know, a, a traumatic experience um, to try to present the gospel and what it means to live faithfully in an authentic way that maybe they can come to this and at least understand a little bit differently that maybe their previous experience, maybe their assumptions about what Christianity has been about is maybe there, maybe there's other voices out there that are, are much more compassionate and good and, and helpful to my understanding of faith, my walk with God and, and how I can, I can grow uh, as a person and as a Christian. Do you think that that's a role that, 
I think is suited for a chaplain in a way that a congregational pastor, I won't say can't do, but sometimes is not always able to do. I think it depends on the person and what the gifts and skills are. I mean, sometimes we can make that connection and sometimes we can't. And that's the thing too, is that as, as much as I feel like I've got a good understanding of this role and what it is, I still miss people. And there are people that I would want to connect with. And, and for whatever reason, I just cannot make that, that connection. And so we do what we can. We do the best we can. And, and we utilize whatever gifts and skills we have. And hopefully that it, it makes a difference. That's all we really can do. And it really depends on the person. And, uh, and, but if we're willing to try and if we're willing to let the Holy Spirit guide us, if we're willing to um, allow ourselves to be pushed at the same time so that maybe we can identify some areas of growth for ourselves, then, then we, can, we can do better at what we do. Now, you're the, um, at least uh, according to the article, the head of the Chaplains Association mm -hmm. for the Presbyterian Church USA. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that organization? What does it do? Um, how many people does it represent? So the, the Presbyterian Chaplains Association is for any uh, chaplain serving in a university setting that is related to the Presbyterian Church or they are a Presbyterian ordained minister who may be serving in collegiate chaplaincy that is not necessarily associated with the Presbyterian Church. And our, our job is, is really just to help nurture and support one another and to love each other and to find ways to connect and, and to see uh, how we can support each other in our work using our Presbyterian connection to, um, uh, to help kind of bind us together. Uh, we're also part, uh, we have a, a sort of a, um, another organization that is the Association of Presbyterian Colleges and Universities that we are uh, partnered with. And they focus on the Presbyterian related institutions, particularly with the university presidents. And so we have an organization that's uh, for the presidents of Presbyterian-related schools. There's about mm, 53, 54 universities that participate in this. And then there's the Chaplains Association that is for the chaplains as well. And then we, we also do some um, work together. And this year, actually, we have an annual gathering. Both groups have an annual gathering. And this year, we try to get together every few years that we put presidents and chaplains together in the same room so that we can have some more uh, conversations uh, that mutually help one another. So I think one of the things that, um, in looking over the article that I was interested in is um, what advice that came up to mind to me was advice. If you have someone who, let's say, is right now currently in seminary, they are still trying to, they feel called to ministry, but they don't know where. Um, what and they may even have maybe an inkling that you know they may have taken um cpe and it's had an interest in chaplaincy um what would, advice would you give them um as they kind of head this way um and what should they be they be prepared for as they if they feel called in this this direction mm -hmm. um i hope that they would maybe reach out to their seminary staff and say, could you put us or help us get people who are doing ministry in various contexts in some sort of maybe a forum or whatever to help identify some folks that we can talk to? 
and, and just learn a little bit about their day-to-day. I would say you could certainly, you know, if you're, if you got the gumption and the ability to go out and just reach out to somebody and say, Hey, could you tell me a little bit about what you do? Uh, or could I come visit you for a day or a half a day or whatever and see, just kind of shadow you a little bit. That was never brought up to me in my recollection in my seminary time to actually, Hey, go take initiative and go jump out there and see what you can discover for yourself and see what other opportunities are out there. And that way you know what questions you need to ask, because a lot of times when we get to seminary and we're thinking about what we're called to do, we don't know what questions to ask. Mm -hmm. And, and that, I think I can relate to that because I feel like that was, I just felt like this was my one trajectory and this is where I'm going. And I, I didn't know that to even ask the question, what else is out there that might do this? And eventually things started, you know, connecting and I started connecting the dots and going, oh, okay, there's a, these other ministries as well. But also, um, you know, if you're interested in chaplaincy, there's, there are some things that may be required of you that you don't know about. Um, there are certain certifications that you might need to have. Uh, so, so to ask those questions and check into that, because you can't just, ah, I went to seminary, I'm qualified for any ministry job there is out there. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but uh, so look into that. And then also, one of the other things I think is really important when you're at that stage where you're starting, where maybe you're at the end of your seminary journey and you're looking for a call, throw your name in the hat somewhere. Even if you're not all that interested, sometimes interviewing can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, it, 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 give, give yourself a chance just to experience and, and listen and learn and grow from an interview. Plus that will help you down the line anyways. But to, to, if you can get your name in the hat, and, and just see what happens. And if they call you back and want to talk with you, that's awesome. And you can, you can say no to that experience if you happen to get offered the position, but put yourself out there to see if somebody will bite and that way you can start having these conversations and you will learn a lot about what these ministries are, what they expect or what they think these, the, these particular calls are based on the interviews. You, I think we, we learn a ton about that. Uh, about a particular context based on who's interviewing you and what they're asking uh, asking us. So I think that's another thing I would suggest seminary students do is just throw yourself in, put you, apply for as many as you can just to see what's out there and you can learn and gain a lot of experiences from interviewing. What do you think is the future for chaplaincy, especially when it comes to the larger church? Do you see that becoming a, a larger option um, for future pastors? I think what we're trying to do is strengthen this role in particular. I know as a denomination, we don't put a lot of focus in college chaplaincy. Um, we're actually, a lot, the, the uh, Association of Presbyterian Colleges and Universities, we're actually having conversations now with a, with a seminary about creating some sort of a certification program for, mm-hmm. particularly for college chaplaincy, because as far as we could tell, there is not one anywhere in the country. And so we're working on that right now to try to enhance what we're doing uh, to, to better equip our chaplains, because that's one of the things we've we've learned is that we're just as susceptible to any ministry about not preparing people well enough to do the do the work. And and we need to do a better job and can do the better job because we're in this context to help uh, share what college chaplaincy is like, what it's about, and then try to equip people with tools so that if they enter this or they're wanting to enter this, we can we can give them a little bit uh, a better head start and better prepare them for when they get into this position. 
So that's what we're doing, at least on the college chaplaincy side. And uh, I think that it's just, you know, bivocational ministry is is going to be more and more mm-hmm. a reality, I think, for a lot of uh, people, if they're still interested in, in um, uh, congregational ministry, that's coming, I think. That's where I'm, at least in my area, that it's starting to more and more be that way. There are less opportunities. Uh, and and also, I, I'm curious, and this may be something that we need to develop as well, because we have a lot of lay leadership in churches too, a lot of lay professionals, you know, Christian educators, youth ministry people, uh, et cetera, that are not ordained, that aren't seminary trained, but are feeling a call to the church. And then what other options do they have to serve in ministry as well? And I think that's another area that we're going to have to really look at uh, to help uh, continue because we can't do ministry only in ordained settings. Uh, no. we've got to, and we've got to rely on the laity uh, to, to feel called and maybe not feel called to be ordained, but be called to do ministry in various contexts. So how do, how do we equip that? If we can do that, wow, that would be, that would be amazing. Um, yeah, I, I would kind of agree with that because um, I'm bivocational. Um, I, my other job is actually in communications. Um, so, but I think that there are some opportunities and I think that that's going to be, I think it's already becoming, and I think it will be even more so in the years to come, um, a bigger part of the church that you're going to find more and more by vocational pastors. And um, being a chaplain, I think can be a, a, a kind of a, an option as well. Um, and, and an additional call. Um, for people. So I think to help prepare people for that, yeah, we need to do that. Probably needed to do it yesterday, but <laughs> you know, we, yeah, I agree. We have some chaplaincy openings right now amongst our uh, related schools, and that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're communicating with each other, just saying, hey, do you know people who might, this might be a good fit, because who better to help discern who makes a good chaplain than other chaplains? And, and we want we want people to understand what we do. We want people to uh, engage with us. We want people who are thinking about ministry to 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 really dive in and see what this is about and do what they can in order to to be successful in their work. We want good. We want good people. We want good, loving, kind, amazing, talented, uh, ordained pastors to to go into chaplaincies and and do amazing ministry there. So that's that's my hope and and you know. Uh, desire to see happen because there's there's opportunities out here and we need to build with with good people and i think for at least in our context when we have good chaplains the universities want to in, engage and embrace and um and, and invest more in this particular work if they have bad experiences with chaplains because maybe that person isn't the right fit, or maybe they really weren't there to be all in uh, at the beginning, then they're going to be discouraged, and they're going to want to push away from maybe doing this, and we need chaplaincy in, in as many, and, and campus ministries in larger university settings as well, uh, but we need chaplains in these in these uh, faith religious-based contexts. Um, it, it's important, and, and I've seen the value. I get to do it every day, and it's a joy, but there's a lot of value, and, and there's a lot of holes that are missed if somebody in this role isn't on a campus, I think. Um, it's just another set of eyes, it's another set of ears, it's another, uh, it's, a, it's a unique mindset and approach to, to students in order to make connections that 
you know, a professor maybe can't necessarily, or a, a counselor can't necessarily, or a student uh, life, a residence life person maybe can't connect with. So it's valuable and, and we need it. Actually, one question that came to mind when I was thinking about this is, um, is there any word you would have to say to middle, middle judicatories about this? And I know in, in your system, it would be presbyteries, you know, in helping them to be more cognizant of chaplaincies. Because I, I, at least from my experience, and I'm in the Disciples of Christ, um, a lot of it is, I think, geared towards congregational ministry. And that's, it just has been set up that way and has always been. But, um, and it seems like that's the experience of a lot of different denominations. But I'm just curious, um, is there a word there for middle judicatories to be a little bit more of how they set up their systems so that they're more focused on helping people discern that call maybe into, into chaplaincy? Mm. My first thought kind of really wasn't thinking about my role, but it was thinking about campus ministers um, mm. because most campus ministers or ministries are are <coughs> funded or they have to be funded in different ways or they have to be funded by congregations. Mm. And, and I know that like in my setting, and I work uh, as an employee of the university, so so my salary is covered by the university. My role is 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 in the school itself. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of collegiate ministries that that's not the case. You know, when you work at a campus ministry for a larger university, and uh, you are you're strapped for cash, you're trying to find ways to connect. You you've got a hard you've got a hard route sometimes if if you don't have a lot of financial support, and so. I know that in the in our past, like our our middle uh, level adjudicatory put a lot of emphasis and resources in one of our larger campus ministries on in in the public university setting, and I, I was good with that. I'm good with that. Um, I'm okay. I'm taken care of. I've got a good supportive university. Um, so that was where my first thought went was thinking about don't just think about chaplaincies, but also think about campus ministers that are working in other university settings um, because they really do need support as well. I don't work necessarily alongside them, but I work or, or with them, but I do work alongside them. We have a very similar context, obviously. So, so my, uh, so that's where, where I, I initially thought, but um, the only other thing is um, we, we don't have a lot of uh, ways to, to, to connect. And that's why the association has existed. Uh, we've created our own ways to connect to one another that we've tried to come up with our own ways to, to educate ourselves and to continue to grow, we don't have a lot of opportunities out there uh, for for chaplaincies and and uh, or to build camaraderie. Uh, I would, I'm sure we have several uh, other chaplaincies that are. I, I know we. I've got a, a friend who's a, a hospital chaplain or, or a hospice chaplain. I, I think there's some military chaplains. It would be great just to to hey provide some opportunities for them to get together and to talk uh, about their experiences because I know I could learn a lot from hospital chaplains and military chaplains and police chaplains that might help me in my context as well and they from me so um, it's just being mindful that we're we're sometimes we're out uh, alone on an island and 
while that may have some perks as well, um, but it can also be kind of lonely at times and to, mm -hmm. to help us stay connected to, to one another uh, and to our other colleagues in congregational ministry as well. And that's one of the other things is if you, if you believe in your denominational ties and you want to emphasize uh, higher education ministry, one of the other big things that we need help with is helping identify students who might benefit from being at our university, who, who having that, for example, that Presbyterian connection, uh, hey, you know, having the having having people in the in the denomination uh, talking about that, giving us space to 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 connect with them, uh, so that they know about who we are and why we might be a good fit for them. I think that's another important piece. We could we could middle level uh, adjudicatories might could could assist us. Well, um, kind of as we wrap up here, I'm what message do you have maybe of support to fellow chaplains that you want to share and also what word do you have to the wider church about chaplains oh. <laughs> i don't know if this is i i don't know if i have anything profound um but to my colleagues uh particularly being in the role of the Chaplains Association is to say, you're not alone. Uh, there are people who, who would love to chat and, and talk with you and, and to learn from you as much as you might need uh, to learn or get support from others. Uh, that's the biggest thing is that, you know, we do this, we do this work better when we, when we're connected to each other and, and to the church, the wider church, um, uh, my only encouragement is uh, come, come check out, come see what we're about. It, Cause I think that what we, we have a lot more freedoms on a college campus to engage ministry, to try and fail. And I fail a lot on campus ministry uh, or uh, on the campus setting, but to learn from that and to see what also, you know, what's going on with this generation, what's going on with these young people, what uh, we can learn about the, this particular, um, generation this context by by talking with us and learning and, and I don't know if if you all have uh we're we're blessed because our presbytery our greater um adjudicatory uh meets uh every other year on our campus and the other time that they're not here they're at the other presbyterian related school that happens to be in our in our presbytery within the bounds and I find that extremely valuable uh, because you only can know by showing up and, and, and engaging. Mm -hmm. And at times we've had, you know, women's groups come to campus and visit and just learn. I, I that's my big, like, come check us out and see what's out there. We, we might, there might be something here that you can draw on and take back to your, or learn and take back to your congregation uh, because we see it. Like we, we understand why these young people maybe not are going back into church as soon as they graduate or when they get established. We, we, we understand the struggles and we see what they're experiencing right now. And, and, and we might can learn from each other. So maybe we can do that. All right. Well, Jeremy, thank you for taking the time um, to talk. This was a really great conversation and I do hope it, it um, really garners some brings forth some fruit in someone that might be listening and looking into future ministry. 
I hope so. And uh, re yeah, reach out, folks. Um, there's lots of people in your community just to, to make connections and, and learn more. That's the big message of the articles. Reach out and learn. Don't assume. Let's let's let us let us let us grow together and and make sure that we got the right fits for whatever the, the spirit is leading us uh, to do. So thanks for having me this this morning. It's been great. All right. Take care. enjoyed the episode. Just a quick reminder, it takes a lot to make great content like this available to you. So please consider making a donation of any amount. Um, all you have to do, and it's actually pretty easy these days, is just to go to Church in Maine's website um, at churchinmaine.org, and you'll find ways to donate, and you'll also be able to listen to past episodes and find uh, and also to leave a review. So that's just it for this episode of Church in Maine. I'm Dennis Sanders, your host. Again, thank you so much for listening. It does mean a lot that you listen to this podcast. Take care, Godspeed, and we'll see you soon.